A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. G'day, everyone. I've just been researching an episode on number three squadron of the RAAF in World War II. While checking out the squadron's history, I went back to World War I and I found a very interesting, yet sad event, which occurred during that war, which I thought would make a short bonus episode. For a quick bit of background, initially number 3 squadron was designated number 69 Australian Squadron Royal Flying Corps. Just like the infantry, Australian pilots in the Great War were still considered part of the British Army at that stage. The squadron fought its first engagement in March 1917, and by that time it was now known as number 69 Squadron Australian Flying Corps. Then, on 18th of January 1918, it was officially named Number 3 Squadron Australian Flying Corps. Primarily throughout the war, the squadron flew the English RE-8 reconnaissance and bomber aircraft. It was quite a decent aircraft, as far as can be said for a heap of canvas stretched over a wooden frame. Its engine punched out a massive 150 horsepower, which to put things into perspective is about the equivalent of the average 2-litre Hyundai i30. I only mention this as I'm constantly amazed at just how primitive these early aircraft were, and yet, for their time, they were important cutting-edge weapons of war. It also amazes me that only 20 years later, these flimsy, open-cockpit biplanes would evolve into the Spitfires, Messerschmitts and heavy bombers of World War II. The rate of technological advance in such a short time boggles the mind. The squadron's primary role throughout the war was reconnaissance, but in that war, even reconnaissance aircraft needed to be able to fight as they were constantly flying over the enemy lines and attracting the attention of German aircraft who were doing the same thing. Mostly, they were trying to locate the German artillery, photograph their location and take down the coordinates. This requires straight and level flight, which you can no doubt imagine is a bit difficult when you've got a German plane trying to blow you out of the sky. At these times, the pilot and observer would try to see off the enemy plane and when, or if successful, return to taking photos. Hell of a way to make a living. But occasionally, they were able to make a more immediate contribution to the troops on the ground. On the 8th of November 1917, they successfully completed their first bombing mission. A flight dropped 40-pound phosphorus bombs to lay a smoke screen while B and C flights dropped high-explosive bombs on German positions behind the village of New Vareel. And now, on to the interesting event I mentioned at the top. On 17th of December 1917, Lieutenant James Sandy and his observer, Sergeant Harry Hughes, were flying a mission spotting for artillery when they were attacked by six Albatross DVA scouts. They managed to shoot down one, and they were soon joined by two other RE-8s from 3 Squadron. Shortly after, the remaining Germans left the scene. The other two RE-8s saw that Sandy and Hughes were flying straight and level, and so waved them goodbye and headed home. By nightfall, no sign had been seen of Lieutenant Sandy or Sergeant Hughes. The next evening, a telegram was received from the hospital at St. Paul stating that they had recovered the bodies of the two airmen from their aircraft in a neighbouring field. It turned out that a single bullet had passed through Hughes's lung and then into Sandy's head, killing both men instantly. The aircraft had continued on, undamaged until its fuel ran out and then it slowly descended into the field, crash landing but not seriously damaging itself or inflicting further injuries on the two men. It had basically flown itself 50 miles and landed on its own. A bit of a testament to the stability of the aircraft. They may have been pretty basic, but I can't imagine any of the latest fighter aircraft performing a similar feat. And just to finish on, as I don't know if I'll get a chance to cover it in any future episode, but another incident of note involving 3 Squadron in World War I 
was that they were heavily involved in the action in which the Red Baron, Manfred von Richthofen, was killed. The squadron was on its way from the aerodrome near Pulainville to photograph German positions 12 miles away. In company with other British aircraft, they were spotted by enemy observers who sent a message back to the German aerodrome at Cappy. Von Richthofen and his infamous red triplane took to the air with his flying circus. Lieutenant Edmund Banks of No. 3 Squadron was the first to see the flying circus heading their way. He informed his pilot, Lieutenant Simpson, and Simpson manoeuvred to allow Banks a clear shot. Now, what happened from this point on has been shrouded in controversy ever since. Banks reckons he shot down the Red Baron, although the squadron never claimed the kill. A Canadian pilot made a stronger claim to being the one who brought the ace down, and if you ask most Canadian historians, that's the claim they'll make. But an autopsy of the Baron's body showed that he was actually shot by ground fire from Australian infantry, and most Australian historians will claim that one. Now, I'm an Australian historian, so I'm claiming it for Australia. Anyway, that's just a short bonus episode, which I hope you found interesting. The next full episode, Isuroa to Iori Baiwa Part 2, will be published on 9th of March. So I'll catch you then. Cheers. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.